0: This is Shifting Our Schools, episode 139. How do you add value to your community? With Steve Murphy and J.B. Blair. Listen up, educators. Are you looking to take your classroom to the next level? The technological shift in education is happening right now. If you're looking to integrate technology into your classroom, you're in the right place. Welcome to Shifting Our Schools with your host, Jeff Utick. Well, welcome back to another episode of Shifting Our Schools. Thank you for tuning in this week. I hope this episode finds you safe and healthy in these trying times. Here in the state of Washington, our governor just announced more restrictions as COVID cases are on the rise. This, of course, is putting schools and educators in a difficult spot. Although the new guidelines allow for schools to continue in-person classes with social distancing and safety restrictions, it's putting pressure once again on school leaders who find themselves in a no-win situation. Do you continue to bring students back to school even though COVID cases are on the rise and educators are feeling, well, all sorts of emotions? Or do you pause where you are in your reopening plans and just hold tight? Or do you go back to fully remote? All I know is we're better together. Please continue to support each other and take care of yourself. Nothing about this situation we're in is perfect. So we make decisions and we move forward, one step at a time. Also know we're here to support you and to help where we can. We're in a time and space where we must be willing to rethink everything, hold nothing back, and understand that teaching and learning has changed and will continue to change. As part of our Shifting Schools program, I continue to remind educators that we're going to focus on learning. The idea of school is going to continue to change. School can be remote. School could be hybrid. School could be back in person. We know that school is going to continue to change. So what we're going to focus in on is we're going to focus on learning. What we know about human learning, what children need to be engaged learners, how we must structure learning, that hasn't changed. Focus on learning and let school be what school is. One of my favorite parts of doing our trainings through Shifting Schools is encouraging teachers to try new things. Blow up your teaching and try something new. As part of this, we asked our participants to record a voice memo on their phones and send it to us as a reflection of their learning. Yes, so we could use it in the podcast, but also to help show how each, how easy it is and can be to get audio recordings from your students as learning evidence. Here is Claire giving us her reflection from one of our trainings.
1: Hi, I'm Claire from Iwako High School where I teach business classes. And the biggest thing that I've gotten from the Reimagine team and shifting schools is the idea that it's okay to completely change everything I do. This isn't about taking my in-class lessons and turning them into online lessons. It's about blowing up the system and creating lessons and instruction that is practical and timely for all of my students. I now now am always asking myself, is this task something a kid will be asked to do after their K-12 education is done? And if it's not, I reconsider the entire lesson. So many great pieces of wisdom from Tyler Rablin's grading webinar and just following him on Twitter and all of the insane things he has to say that ring so true to where we need to be in education. All of Jeff's little snippets of genius, like the fact that network literacy should be our baseline. And Stefan's entire brain on all things project-based, gamifying, flipping the classroom, everything he says is magic. Um, If we're going to actually reach Generation Z, we need to be where they are, challenging them to critically explore content and collaborate collaborate across time and space. Um, And really, that means we need to reimagine all of it. And I think that Everyone should participate and know these people and engage in this content because this is the moment to shift education, to actually be meeting our students where they are and challenging them to create change in the world and to truly be connected global citizens all the time. So thanks, Shifting Schools. Thanks, Reimagine, for pumping up this Uh, early in her career educator who was already feeling kind of burnt out. You rock.
0: Now, this is super special to me on a number of levels. Not only is it great to hear Claire reflect on all she is trying and learning through the trainings, but it's even more special to me because Claire was a fourth grade student of mine years ago. We have stayed in contact through the years. And last school year, I even did a training at her high school. Knowing the fourth grade Claire It doesn't surprise me she's trying new things and adapting to meet the needs of her students. Hearing her talk about her own classroom brings a smile to my face. I know just how lucky her students are to have her as a teacher. And that brings me to today's episode, which is a recording of our free webinar series over at Shifting Schools. If you'd like to join us live for the discussions, we'd love to have you. You can sign up at ShiftingSchools.com and join us for uh, live and, of course, continue to listen here on the recordings as well. You'll also find video versions of the webinar along with the slide deck on the ShiftingSchools.com website and in the show notes to this podcast. For now, please enjoy this recorded webinar with Steve Murphy and J.B. Blair on how they find ways to bring their community together and also bring it into their classrooms. And with that, on with the show. I'm so excited to be back with another webinar Um, with, uh, two of my favorites, JB and, and Steve, these guys are, uh, these guys are some, some awesome teachers right here that we get to learn from today and talking about, uh, some of the stuff that they're doing within their school district, uh, breaking down the walls of their schools. Uh, I love that Steve's rocking the shifting schools vest. You can buy those. Well, you can't buy them. You can't buy them. There's a limited edition. If you could buy them, they'd be about $1.2 million. Um, (laughs) so, uh. But anyway, so it's great. It's great to be here. Uh, so far, I'm so excited to be learning from you guys. Today. I've been waiting all day for this. Uh, so I'm just going to turn it over to you. You can introduce yourselves. And uh, looking forward to just talking about uh, engaging students uh, outside the walls of our classroom. Awesome.
2: Awesome. Well, Good I'll turn. go ahead and get ourselves going here and get started. Well, first of all. Uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody for being here um, and getting a chance to join us and talk about a topic that both JB and I are very passionate about and that is just kind of expanding beyond beyond the walls of our classroom to uh, our district and then to our community and being able to bring our community into uh, what we're trying trying to teach to our students and get them a chance to experience learning through them as well. So let's go ahead and get started by letting you know a little bit about us and We're going to go about doing it a little bit different. I'm going to introduce JB and then he's going to get a chance to introduce me. So I'm excited about getting a chance to work with him because I've respected JB tremendously for the time that we've been in the Enumclaw School District together. But as you can see on the screen, he's been in education for 17 years, uh, spent 10 years in California and actually was an instructional coach down there for a while really with, you know, instructing lessons and and uh, helping teachers with being able to design lessons that were effective in their classroom and also helped to write the seventh, eighth grade English and uh, language arts curriculum. So he's a English language arts teacher at Enumclaw Middle School here and uh, was a, a featured speaker for the University of Washington Center for uh, Educational Leadership series in a, a lesson that he, did, he had done there. So if you ever get a chance to check that out, check it out. But on a personal basis, JB is a tremendously reflective and thoughtful professional educator. And that's, I think what I respect about him the most. And you know, really honestly, here's how I would describe it. What's normal to JB or what he thinks is normal is extraordinary to all of us. And so he's about as humble as you're gonna find and think that, oh man, you know, what I'm doing is not that big a deal. And the rest of us gonna look at it and go, oh my gosh, that's just amazing. So i'm um, very very oriented towards his community and um, just kind and empathetic. You know, my daughter just graduated last year. He came to our house to deliver some gifts to some of the seniors yeah, that were graduating. Uh, you know, he's organized some things to try and help our elementary school teachers around here and, and give back to them a little bit. So uh, I just respect the heck out of him and I'm excited to get a chance to present with him. So thanks for doing this with me, JB. Appreciate it.
3: Steve, you know, those are very kind words. I appreciate that. So, you know, Steve, has been in the classroom for 23 years. I don't really know how that's possible because he doesn't look a day over 23. Um, and as you see on the screen there, you know, he currently is a high school teacher at Enumclaw High School in the social studies business, and and this is his first year as technology coach. And um, you know, one of the things that I love about Steve is just the fact that you know he's always pushing the envelope, and he sees, he he really is reimagining education, and he really does. Uh, want the best for his students. And, you know, he he kind of is a technology coach, but he he really is just a coach in general. Like he's coaching his students. Like he said, I had the fortune of, of teaching his daughter and, you know, she was one of those kids who I don't know how much I had to teach because of the kind of person that he is and the kind of kids that he raises. Um, and so I'm just excited to be here with Steve and the fact that uh, he is as a facilitator for shifting schools and reimagine Wash- Washington ed, like he is the right person for the job. So excited to be here with you um, and, and yeah, be doing this webinar. All
2: righty. Want to give us a little preview, JB, what we'll we got coming up?
3: Yeah. So, hey, so like I said, we're excited to be here and we only have about an hour to share. so. We want to be efficient with our time. And so these are some of the objectives that we have as we kind of move forward. So one, we want everyone to just recognize the importance of adding value to their community. Um, And as a part of that, uh, we want us to make sure that we're able to identify strategies for building community within your classroom, within your district and within your community. Um, and number three, we want to evaluate where this approach actually fits best in your curriculum. Right? It's not a one-size-fits-all. It's a taking an assessment of of where we're at um, and and some things that need to be considered. And then finally, we want us to consider authentic and practical learning opportunities that will add value to your classroom, to your district, and to your community. And you know, participants, we just want to continue to thank you again for showing up. You know, we know that. Everyone's working hard right now, but we really appreciate you here.
2: Yeah, for sure. And you know, I'll just echo what JB just said. And you know, I want to say thank you to everybody and everything you're doing for students and for families and all the efforts that you're putting in. I know it's not an easy time to be a, an educator and a professional uh, in our field right now, but we're doing obviously everything we can. And I think we're doing an outstanding job as well. And I forgot to mention a minute ago, and Jeff kind of mentioned at the beginning, but Jeff will be monitoring the chat and monitoring that piece. Um, and making sure that we're getting your questions answered. So please feel free to pop those in there and let us know what's gonna what you what's on your mind and what you need some help with or want to get our ideas on some of those things. So we're gonna start with just kind of a panel discussion with uh, JB and myself and sharing some ideas. We wanna make sure we have time at the end for questions and answers, as well as giving a little bit of, of an activity for you with some curriculum connections and then a, a wrap up and a debrief at the end here. So uh, that's our that's our goal and that's what we're wanting to do in our time here. So
3: Yeah, and so, you know, in order for us to really kind of fully explain why we feel that adding value to our community is really an integral aspect of authentic learning. We really think that we kind of need to start with just this idea of mission. Um, and it sounds oftentimes cheesy in education to talk about the idea of mission. I know schools have missions, they have visions. Uh, but what I found is that for a lot of my teaching life, I really kind of walked around um, identity lists and I didn't really have a clear idea of who I was as a teacher. Um, and, and it was a few years ago when I started to really flesh out, well, wh- what is my mission as an educator? What is it that I believe and how do I see myself uh, um, as a teacher? And so uh, I kind of got this from a guy named Clint Smith, and it really just has, has fit me. But my mission as an instructor, as an English teacher, I feel is to teach students to read critically, write consciously, speak clearly, and tell their truth. Um, and and Everything that I do, once I really have solidified that, it the outflow of that. Everything that I do, the lessons that I create, the experiences I create flow from that mission. So yeah.
2: Yeah. And I would I would echo the fact of finding that mission for all of us as professional educators can help guide us to what we're doing and all the different lessons that we do in our classroom. And you know, I have to give JB some credit. I kind of feel the same way. I always kind of bounced around and was on the fringes of knowing what my mission was going to be for most of my career. And um, you know he he pushes me, I push him, and it's kind of fun. We kind of push back and forth, and so about a couple of years ago, I think we started talking about missions, and I was able to develop mine. And I think I shared that uh, about last month in the webinar that I did on creating global citizenship and global citizens through technology. But you know the idea of developing empathetic global citizens with a passion for service leadership. So uh, this idea of making our students and allowing our students to be globally aware, which also then means locally within our community, which is our focus today, uh, but also being able to then provide some. Service back to their community and uh, provide that service leadership uh, as well is going to help to be able to define what we're going to do in our classrooms. So let's go ahead and get to it here, JB.
3: Yeah, community—it's a big one, especially. I mean, think of the state of the world right now, and it's just—it's it's a, a wonderful place, but we need more community. And so, why? Why community? Why expand the walls of our classroom? And for me, that—that that is real simple. And personally, it just gives life to my teaching. It honestly gives life to my teaching. When we think about community, I love people. And, and so we wanna to start to think about what does it mean for us to expand the walls of our district? Uh, like we said before, that overarching piece, we have to have that clear mission You know, as, as a teacher, um, but ultimately we want to create authentic learning experiences for our students. We wanna create authentic learning experiences for our students. And one of the things I want to make sure that we get clear right now is when we talk about community and we talk about authentic learning experiences, one of the I think things that we get hung up on is we think it has to be this huge you know, get out in the community, change the world sort of piece when the reality is, is yes, sometimes it's going to be big, sometimes we're going to go out and make some waves within the community. But sometimes we're going to think about in smaller steps or in smaller chunks and throughout this, you know, this webinar, you know, some of the things that I hope to see is Build community between student and student. How do we do that? How do we build community between student and parent? How do we build community through student and teacher? You know, and create these authentic learning experiences between student and parent, between student and teacher, and between student and local community. You know, and when we, we think about creating these authentic learning experiences for student, that that really are leading to that. A natural outgrowth of that is building student confidence. When students see these learning experiences purposeful, as relevant, as authentic, they can't help but grow their confidence. Um, What I have found is when students are given a task or an experience to tackle that is going to expand, not just this school year and not just this class, but it's gonna be transferable beyond, they rise to the occasion they rise to the level of that experience um, and their confidence grows. Um, and, you know, too, along with that is it, these opportunities, these authentic learning opportunities and there's a growing confidence, it really does begin to foster these positive relationships um, between students because we know that we are in this together, right? So within the walls of our classroom, these relationships are being fostered within the walls of our schools, these relationships are being fostered. If we do it right, from my experience, you start to see student and parent relationships begin to grow and foster those positive relationships, as well as relationships within the community. So, you know, all of this creates this sense of togetherness, um, this sense of relevance. um, And ultimately, you know, all of this is just going to add value wherever your community is. So anything to add to that? Steve?
2: Yeah, well, no, I think you did a great job of of explaining that. And I also want to make sure we point out you know, JB and I are both coming at this from a little bit of a secondary slant with being a middle school teacher and a high school teacher. But this is an elementary school level piece that we can do as well. Like when JB mentions building community from student to student or from student to teacher, I mean, that happens at all grade levels. Uh, You know, we can talk about, you know, a fifth grader mentoring a first grader or, um, you know, community and, and content of blogs or writing and writing feedback or reading books too. And so you'll see a little bit about that through the webinar as well. But, you know, knowing that our goal is to provide these authentic, rigorous Learning experiences that build relationships and build confidence. The next question is, you know how do we make these connections, right? So I mean, if we talk we can talk all we want about being into community okay, and trying to get into the community, but then the next step is this the the simple logistics of how do we make these connections, right? where do we where do we? make these connections where we can give our students the opportunity to be able to read critically, to be able to write consciously, speak clearly, and tell their truth like JB is talking about that is authentic, that is is out there um, to be able to meet that clear vision that we have. And in order for us to do this, number one, we have to be able to take on as teachers. We have to be willing to take on the risk of doing this. We have to trust our students to be able to put them into this situation. Like JB said, they will rise to the occasion, right? Rather than keep them in an area where you just know for sure what you're going to get. Um, and then you know, don't do it alone. You know, do it with somebody else and and do it with a partner. And I think that's we're we're a testament. JB and I are of working together to do this. That it's easier to do it in in community uh, in connection with with other people. So some of the things that have worked for me, Uh, number one, I would say this. And it's the same thing I said in the global uh, citizenship webinar that I did keep your eyes and your ears open for any possible opportunity that is there. Like always be thinking through a lens of, you know, Hey, this person might be somebody that I could bring into the classroom or somehow I can make a connection with this. And, you know, I was even thinking about it today before the webinar. And I just started to think about how some of my classrooms and my classes could work with being able to make these connections and, um, you know, something that just comes up in your everyday, everyday workings. And you go that person could be somebody that I bring into my classroom. So even the smallest connection can be of significance, but, the connections that again we're talking about here is within your school district, right? So, that, you know, expanding the walls of your district, uh, but then within our district to the community services that are available, that are out there, and then even like the outreach program. So like we have an organization called Plateau Outreach Ministries that I've worked with and done some activities with. They wanna be involved and they wanna be a part of the community, these community services that are within your town, within your city, uh, that are trying to provide for the citizens of that area. They wanna be involved within the school as well. So it can be within your building, It can be within your district. It can be with that community also that's there as well. And I know JB's done some work with parents and getting parents involved within his own classroom. I know elementary schools do that quite a bit. And here's a way to leverage that in a positive way. So JB, you want to talk about those few that are at the bottom there?
3: Yeah, so I mean, there'll be some examples in a little bit bit later there around parents and families. Like how do we kind of connect them in a new way with our students where it's not just about grades or it's not just about academic success. Uh, And, you know, we're going to see an example later of how, you know, as a school we reached out to local businesses and continue to do that, you know, to bring people into our schools to open up our doors to them. um, As well as youth programs and just to kind of echo what you were saying earlier, like making these connections, it kind of really comes with the idea of reading the world around you right like I have three kids at home. And sometimes I put on that teacher hat and I listen to the conversations they have or the things that they're begging for me. And there are a lot of questions that are in there, a lot of connections that I can pull from there to see what their needs are. Same with my wife when she's complaining about school, right? Uh, And and I can take that and I can use that as, okay, how can I bridge that gap and move out into the local community? Um, But really, I think a lot of it too, this connection piece, it starts with a yes, right? best piece of advice my wife received when we moved back to Enumclaw from Southern California was this is a small community with deep roots. It's gonna be hard to break into. How do you connect with people? Well, when they approach you, when they ask you, you say yes. And so for me as a teacher, I started to take that on. And when I'm presented with an opportunity or when I'm in a conversation, I need to say yes. So it all, and I really do believe this, all of this, a lot of this starts with a yes to yourself and a yes to those around
2: you. Yeah, and before we move into the next piece here and I'll maybe pause for a second and ask Jeff if anything's coming up or he has any kind of thoughts as well, but you know, you can look at this from two different perspectives. You can start with the connection and you'll be able to say you know this is this is a connection that i really would like to bring into my classroom uh you know maybe that's you know somebody that you you know somehow comes up we have your ears and your and your and your eyes open and you're like that's a connection you connect it to what you're doing in your classroom or you have some content that you'd like to connect with something outside of your classroom and it can start there as well and then you reach out to people that fit with that content so we're going to start to give some examples of that here in just a second but before we do that jeff any comments or any thoughts from your perspective on this or things
0: in the chat yeah, I just think, you know, that idea, I love that line. Are you reading the world around you? You know, as we talk about expanding the walls of your district, where where do you, you know, the, the six things you have on the screen are all places you can reach out to that are part of your district, part of your community. I think one of the things we found when we're going into this idea of distance learning is we are finding uh, that we're leaning on our communities more and more and we need our community, whether that is free hotspot for kids to connect for you know families that don't have access at home to community outreach programs of how are we helping and supporting our most needies in our community and where does the district fall? And then where do we as teachers be able to support our kids in that and bring that into our classroom as well? Uh, you know, it's, it, I think that idea of, are you reading the world around you? I love that. Uh, and just keeping your eyes and ears open. It's uh, just a great concept.
2: Yeah. and I, and I think even you know in this time period, especially when we're going through some challenges of what the structure and what the system looks like, when I mean, we need as much, collaboration as we possibly can get so bringing in the community bringing in parents to this i don't think jb i don't know about you but anytime i've gone to the community to ask for some support and help i've never been told no i mean people want to help they want to help they want to get involved they want to get engaged and it's always been a enriched experience for my students and for me and and for that that person coming in as well so um let's go ahead and talk a little bit about some considerations jb
3: yeah you know i mean i think I love what you touched on there, just the idea that people want to help like we we talk so much about how polarized things are, but I think the reality is, is we are at a, in a place where if we reach out to those people, people want to help one another, we want to come together so. Um, thinking about these yeah considerations, the reality is we're all busy right like as teachers, we are busy and we need things that are practical. Uh, and that fit into our crazy lives. And so when we think about this idea of expanding the walls of our community, sometimes it can become a little bit overwhelming. So we want to give you some things to consider as you get started, you know, where do we start? How are we going to approach this? So the first thing, you know, that that I think is important for us to do is always keeping that mission in mind is just to evaluate your curriculum, right? Um, is to kind of pull back and think, you know, within my curriculum and what I know I want for my students, what are the set of experiences that my students need to have in order to, and then you fill in the blank, you know? And then from that, we start to think about community. Well, when I think about the experience that I want my student to have, how can I use the community around me to accomplish this, to accomplish my mission. to accomplish my vision? You know, is the other thing is like I was guided for so long by my curriculum, my curriculum owned me. Right. And I think we have to kind of shift our mindset, especially now when I think we have more of a freedom to reimagine, to recreate and to to push the envelope. You know, I need to take ownership of my curriculum, you know, for a long time. And even now I'm really starting to, to figure out like I have to determine what I believe is most important for my students and and what are those experiences that they need. So evaluating your curriculum is key. The second piece there is just the idea of evaluating your connections. And as we mentioned earlier, um, we cannot do this kind of work alone. We absolutely 100% cannot do this kind of work alone. And for me, it took me the courage to ask. Like I, you know, we need support. Um, I was a prideful person. Didn't necessarily want to ask. I was a do-it-yourselfer. That's how I grew up. Um, but but we can't do this work alone. So we need to ask. Like, who who do I need within the school system, you know, to help create this experience or make this successful? And also, who who do I need outside of the school system to to make this successful? Because the reality is, is there are people who are itching to get into the schools because they understand the importance of what we do, whether it's at the elementary, middle, or the high school level. Um, and then the, the last piece here is just this idea that, you know what, there's gonna be some stumbling blocks. There always are. It could be a personal stumbling block. It could be a very real one, but you know, one of the things that I'm always you know wondering, okay, will they buy in? And you fill in the blank for the they, right? Like, will my principal buy in? Will the students buy in? Will the parents buy in? Um, and I can go down the line and let you know that that I've had different experiences, and I currently have a principal who's amazingly supportive. She is the person who says yes, right? And those are just little things that you know. If there are any administrators out there, people like that, that yes is so so huge for us as teachers at any any level. Um, you know, so there's that piece uh and and i always my big thing is like shoot are the students going to buy in you know we've done open mics down at like a a coffee shop or down in a fudge place and my biggest fear is that no one's going to show up but you got to take that risk right you got to take that risk um and then the other piece is always the time piece how in the world am i going to fit this in how in the world am i going to fit this in and that's to me that's always that red flag that indicator that i'm being driven by curriculum versus If this experience is worthy, then it's worth the time, right. So those are those are those big things, you know, considering your curriculum, the connections that you can make, and what are those roadblocks and really kind of self assessing.
2: Oh, man, you just nailed that one. You nailed that, that whole process. Like, that was amazing. I even know what was coming, and I was still, like, amazed by it. That was perfect. So I, especially that last part, you know, the it is worth the time, everybody. It is worth the time. Experiences are what our kids remember. That's where they learn. That's the power of it. That's where they're engaged. So please make sure we understand that it is always worth the time as we do that. So, you know, knowing, you know, that we're talking about, you know, these most important considerations to consider, and, you know, it allows us to have that vision. Vision of what we want to have in our classroom. The next step is know how do we change vision into reality? Right? What does it look like? Okay. What is that scenario going to look like? So let's talk about some of these celebrations, okay? And some of the the things that you know we've done, that JB has done, that I've done, that we've done together. Uh, that's been the coolest part. Is I think it was a couple of years ago or so. I think I reached out to JB and just said, Hey, I got this idea. You know it's kind of crazy i'm not sure hey what do you think and you know and, and that's what I, I i know you know when you talk about who can you count on who's that yes person who's that colleague that's there you know jb is one of those ones for me that i know that's going to be able to come back and say you know what let's just tweak it a little bit and do it this way and so it was it was awesome but so so what are those things look like what do those things look like and I'm gonna let JB kind of start us off because some of these are some amazing things that he's done and he's put together. By the way, on this slide deck, I don't know, Jeff, did we put it in the chat or is that available? Can we do that out there? The I think I, I sent the published one to you, but if so, there's a bunch of links that are in here that I'm gonna show a couple of them to you as we go through here. But if we don't show them to you, you have the access to them and you can be able to get that. And then you know, hopefully Jeff will put our emails in there as well. So feel free to email me at any time if you have any questions. So JB, what are some of these
3: awesome? Celebrations here. Yes, yeah, yeah, I mean, I could honestly talk about all these all night, but I'll try to kind of go through it because I know people's time is valuable, but open mic. I alluded to this earlier, um, and this is one where my principal was fully on board, fully supportive. Uh, students had a poetry unit, they created, you know, uh, their own independent uh, uh, voices. And, and when I think about this student voice, right, like the experience that I want students to have is for them to use their voice in an authentic way and what better way for them to express themselves down at a coffee shop down at a a fudge place um and and to share their voice not just with their parents not just with their family but with people who just come into the to the coffee shop um and i didn't know if anyone would show up and it started the first year with about 30 kids and about 50 adults and then the next year it grew to about 40 45 kids shared their their original work and, and it continued to grow and it continued to grow and Um, It's just one of my favorite times of the year. We're trying to figure something out through Zoom, how we can make this work this year. Um, But but this is one of the ways that we've been able to build a bridge between our school and the community and bringing the students into the community um, to kind of show them off, honestly, quite frankly, and to give those students that experience of being out somewhere and sharing their perspective on the world around them. Um, And the cool thing, one of the outgrowths of this was I actually had a librarian at one of the local elementary schools contact me and say, hey, you're doing this at the middle school level. What did you have to do? How could we maybe make this work at the elementary school level? And so we kind of talked through some of the logistics. And so they they were looking into having an open mic night at their elementary school, opening up the library and kind of seeing how that went, possibly the NPR. So this is just so transferable and and if I can have students who have these experiences coming up, you know, what a great piece to, to to give the community. Um, The next one, parent and teacher engagement. I talked earlier kind of about this idea that sometimes we think that uh, expanding the walls of our district means going big and going to coffee shops or going to this and, you know, doing something big in this case, when I talk about think about parent and teacher engagement, um, we're thinking on a smaller scale here. We're thinking about engaging parents and students in a different way. Uh, and for me, as a parent myself, I am dreading the time when my students get old enough where they don't want to be around me anymore. Right? <laughs> they where they grow apart. It's like, dude, you you are not cool anymore. You've lost your luster. I'm over you. It's gonna happen soon, unfortunately. Um, but, but one of the things that I'm anticip- in anticipation of that, listening to that, how can I bridge this gap between student and parents? And so a couple of things that I've done, one, social media and phones, students on their phones, is a huge problem to parents, reality to students. And so I thought, all right, well, one thing I can do is have them watch videos, like a Simon Sinek video of millennials in the workplace, watch that together, have a conversation around it, you know, type your responses, we'll share it in class. Awesome, parents love that, kids didn't. Here's the next one. The next one though, students love their phone, they love being on their phones. Um, And one thing that I decided to do was to leverage that in, in a way that could bridge the gap between parent and student. And so while teaching the three persuasive appeals, ethos, pathos, and logos, I thought to myself, okay, I could have students, right? Ask their parents for something or ask I love
2: this by the way. This is my favorite. This is one of my favorite stories he tells. All right. I'm sorry to interrupt you. I stand no, no. to say it. I'm so This excited. is like Go one of my favorite yes.
0: lessons of all yes. time. I Absolutely. love this. So I'm so excited because I know what's coming and it's so good. So sorry to yeah, interrupt you
3: so, so the vlog is in there. I don't we don't I don't think we want to spend too much time on it, but the reality is okay. All right. So so I have students craft text messages, right, using the three persuasive appeals and then text their parents and ask them for things. And so, you know, kids are asking for gaming systems. Kids are asking for, you know, can I stay up later or can I do this or that? But then you have kids who are completely off the charts and they're asking for things like a snake, then they don't want a cage. They want it to roam around the house so it can be like rodent control, right? (laughs) Then you have another student who's asking for a miniature donkey, right? Here's the crazy thing, though. Right, the the miniature donkey mom responds back. If you can find out whether or not it's legal in the city limits, then yes. Student goes out. Yes, it is legal. Student gets miniature donkey. <laughs> it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, yeah. So I mean, literally things like that. But here's here's like the fruit of all that 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 expanding the walls of your district is. I had students who their response to me was. I feel like an adult or I sound like an adult when I'm talking to my parents and oh my gosh, my parents are are talking to me with more respect. So it starts to build that bridge. And the the coolest part is getting emails from parents or seeing them on the street and they, what did you do to my child? What is wrong with my kid? Because all of a sudden they're talking to me like an adult. Uh, And so those things are transferable skills that can last far beyond my class. Um, anyway, so that, that's the gist of that. There's a blog in there that kind of shows you a little bit more and takes you through a little bit more of that. But that's another.
0: Well, and the other thing I love about this, you know, one of the things we talk about all the time, like I preach this so much. But this idea of how are we inviting student culture into our classrooms? And, you know, what a perfect, what a perfect, beautiful persuasive text messaging, a skill set mm-hmm. that a generation is going to need to know. And you're right. They know they text all the time. Mm-hmm. So why don't we bring that into the classroom, show them how using these different persuasive approaches can work, like they're theory-based approaches to persuading people to do something that you want them to do in a medium that works. Like the difference between doing this in a text message and having kids write a persuasive paper and I I want kids to write persuasive papers 100 but what if I start with look how powerful this is on your parents can you imagine what you could do with other people you know and you just you build that experience with kids unbelievable I love it a miniature freaking donkey dude how (laughs) crazy is that So,
3: so insane yeah and that, that was that was the the point right there. It's like we're going to take this small chunk it's going to be this foundational exercise that gets you into it and then you're going to take it and you're going to expand it to an argument right. So yeah, and then we you know eighth grade exit interviews. Um, man, this is this is a kind of something that I, I we started in southern California, when I was teaching down there and it's still continuing on in southern California. But this idea of what are the set of experiences I want my students to have well this grew from a conversation that I had with my dad probably about 15 years ago. And one of the things that he said to me was, he said, JV, listen, he's a small business owner in town. He says, dude, like kids cannot interview. They do not know how to answer questions in an interview. They don't know how to fill out a job application. There's all these just like super relevant skills that they were coming to him. And, and hit from his perspective, they just didn't have the skills. And so at first I was like, oh, well, don't blame me. But then I was like, OK, well, listen, how can I create experiences for these students uh, that are going to set them up for success later in life? And so that's that's what we did. We created eighth grade exit interviews where um, students create portfolios. We've moved they used to be paper and now we move them to online portfolios. Um, and this is an opportunity for them to reflect on their middle school career get interviewed by a member of the Clock community that they do not know. That's one of the requirements. Um, they are given the questions in advance so that they can uh, prepare responses for these questions. Um, and then they use their portfolio within that interview. And I think there's a lot more that I could say about this. But um, this is just one of those examples uh, of students dress up, shirt and tie. As teachers, we come together as a community to so if you don't have it, if you lack that, we bring in the clothing for you, we bring in the things that you need to set you up for success. So I know that Steve has a little, little video here I might want to say something. Yeah, about
2: that, but yeah. yeah well, I just I, I want to just commend JB for putting this together. You know, you talk about this idea of, you know, telling your truth and you know, trying to get students the opportunity to do that. I mean, JB's kind of telling his truth right here, right now, about what he's done in his classrooms that are authentic learning experiences and opportunities for him. And what I love about the eighth grade exit interviews is JB involves and they involve like other teachers, like teachers from the high school, uh, I like think teachers from the elementary school. You have community members that come in. So rather than the students going out into the community, you're bringing the community in. So you're fostering that relationship as well. And as we play uh, this portion of this video, uh, I just want I want to make sure that you're, we're grasping the hold of the idea of, of uh, how much this impacts not just the students, but how much it impacts the, the community members as well. So just a couple of minutes, but I think it's valuable and important for you to see.
3: you guys have worked really hard and just know that I'm super proud of every yeah, right because you you have have not just today but all year long. Uh, so let's everybody take a deep breath. Let's take another one.
1: I was nervous. I kind of had to like talk myself down a little bit. Getting to prepare and make sure that you're ready for everything and just the nerves before and all of that is just really stressful, but it's good overall. The p- preparing, I, w- I-, I was really nervous. I literally um, walked back and forth for 30 minutes with a friend, just going insane. Um, the feeling I got in my stomach was crazy. And I've wrestled for three years, and I've never had that much.
3: it's not a job on the line but it just gives them a few skills it allows them to really reflect on their eighth grade experience and let us know and those of us in the community there are some teachers in there too but those of us in the community uh, who don't really know much maybe about what's happening in eighth grade and I am very impressed with these students very impressed
1: My favorite part is being put into a new experience and pushed out of your comfort zone and getting to talk to an adult which is just a really nerve-wracking experience but overall a great learning experience. Um, My favorite part was when um, I got to explain my greatest learning experience. It's when my dad told me that if you'd rather be rich and unhappy than have absolutely nothing and be the happiest person in the world then I need to rethink um, my approach. I've been really enjoying it because it's putting pushing me out of my comfort zone and I've been just talking like freely and just experiencing what it feels like to be interviewed by an adult. I feel really good about it. I liked my person that was interviewing me, she was really nice, so it made it a lot easier. Um, I think that it's something that all schools should be doing because it's really preparing us for the future and Just a great opportunity to push us out of our comfort zone and make us all dress nice and get to do something that will prepare us for high school in the future. I feel really good, like I did a good job that I worked hard for and that I feel like I'm prepared for an interview in the future. For me, probably better for me than for the students, Just, just to see the enthusiasm with our
3: eighth graders, it's like, yes, there's hope for the future, it's great.
2: So my favorite part or one of my favorite parts, I guess, of that uh, is the last community member woman there who was talking who said it's probably better for me than it is for them. Like, you know, this is not just about our kids. This is about connecting with the community as well. And you'll see some of that in some of the other things we're going to talk about in the next slide. But before we get to the next slide, JB uh, or Jeff, I don't know if you have any comments on that or thoughts on that video, but.
0: I mean, for me, I just, the only, I keep running through my head and this is my, you're going to get a little Jeff rant here right now. So I apologize to anybody and everybody (laughs) who's out there, but you know, the number one thing, the last today's Thursday, we're, we're recording this on a Thursday and this entire week, I have been asked the same question over and over and over from teachers. How do you get student engagement? And what we are looking at here is we're looking at how you get student engagement. You make it authentic. You use their tools. You invite student culture into your classroom. You show them how what they are learning is relevant to the real world. That's how you get kids to engage. It's the number one question. I mean, right now where everything is in our schools and in our, you know, with home learning or hybrid learning or whatever you happen to be in. We over and over kids aren't doing the work at home. Jeff, how do I get kids to engage in the work when they're not inside the zoom meeting? You make the work meaningful. That's how you do it. This isn't all the odd problems in the book. You know, here's JB ELA teacher who isn't saying, Oh, by the way, I need you to write another report, you know, and I just, I keep coming back, like watching that video. I'm looking at this going, that's how you, that's engagement. There you go. Done. Right. Yep. You, you set up experiences that allow kids, you treat them like adults. You hear those kids say, I got to talk to an adult and adults talk to me like an adult. And that's huge. That's so big.
2: Yeah, 100% for sure, for sure. And so, yeah, as we move into this next deal, JB, I'll let you set up the eighth grade blogs because it leads into what we did together, right? Yeah. Okay, so, you know, what, what did you start with? Because you've been doing eighth grade blogs for a little while, right? And then we contacted and got a chance to talk with one another. So, how what were you doing there?
3: Yeah, I think part of it, you know, just, the, just to make it quick, writing epidemic, because students are simply writing for test makers and teachers. I wanted to fix that, right? Like, that's just something that's not okay with me they need to write for authentic purposes and authentic audiences. So, you know, blogging is not new, but why not blog? So we opened it up um, and that was the biggest. We wanted to make our writing public. We wanted to make it, okay, it's not just in Mr. Blair's class, it's all the eighth graders. The eventual, we wanna go bring it out to our sister middle school, Thunder Mountain, hopefully get them involved. But this also came with some failure. You can read about the failure. It had to do with a polarizing issue. Some of the really good students actually Um, made some pretty nasty comments towards one another on the blog, but that was awesome, right? That was like the best thing that could happen, right? Because the reality is is the conversation became about how do we add value to our blogs with our comments, right? Got that from Jeff, stole that from Jeff and and kind of leads into where we're going. But man, it was a, a doozy, ended up being a great conversation. But then we had the opportunity to, go With with, with Steve and his class, and had a good experience.
2: Yeah, you know, and, and so Jeff, I, I got to give Jeff credit for that as well. I mean, he's been working with us in the Enumcloss School District for a while and got my students and my freshman students blogging about four or five years ago and writing for that authentic global audience, right? That public audience. And it does change, it just changes their. Value of writing and how they're going about doing it. So I knew JB was kind of doing a little bit with this, and I wanted to expand the walls of my classroom to our district. Again, that's you know why kind of what we're talking about here. So collaboration within the district. And went, man, how powerful would it be to maybe have some of my seniors working with middle school students, right? And as a mentor, as an example, um, just as you know, trying to help further them in their dialogue and their discussion. And so we talked and we chatted and we figured we could fit those blogs together with some content that fit with my AP government students. And it was a very it was a significant topic. I mean, it was you know, I, I don't necessarily need to get into what the specific topic was at this point, but it was very powerful. And when we first started to do it, JB's proposed it to his eighth grade students and said, hey, we're going to blog. But the seniors at the high school, the AP seniors at the high school are going to be reading your blogs and they're going to be commenting on your blogs. And if I'm not mistaken, they kind of freaked out a little bit about that, which was not necessarily a bad thing because go back to the video that you just saw. I'm uncomfortable, but yet I'm learning a lot from it. Right. And so, you know, JB was able to help talk them through that. And I can tell you from being in my classroom when I had my senior students reading their blogs and responding to them, that the most authentic, powerful learning was watching the students when they would go, "Okay, how do I say to this student what I want to say without offending them? Right. Or with with not killing their their idea of wanting to present things. And we were also able to say, you remember when you were in eighth grade, you thought that way also right like you've grown from that point to now right that's how you used to think so how do you not just tell them they're wrong but do so in a positive way and so that part was 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 really just tremendous i think for for both of us and we eventually got to a point where Uh, we got together for a socratic seminar and so jb's students came up to my classroom and you can see my seniors are sitting in the middle and his eighth graders are around the outside and they watched my seniors do a socratic seminar and they had a i can't remember if we did it with you or not a shared document or not i think you did it later but there was a shared document that they were involved in that they were kind of commenting on but just watching my seniors go through a level of discussion and the coolest part about that for me is a lot of these eighth grade students because i have a freshman ap class as well went through that experience and came to me more prepared for what they were expectations were of, of kind of contributing to a Socratic seminar because they had gone through that. And then what we eventually did, if I'm not mistaken, JB, is my seniors went down and watched your your eighth graders go through their blogs. And then they gave feedback to them on you know how good they did and how or whatever. And so that that collaboration piece was just significant. And I'll kind of try and cruise through the rest of these. I'm looking at the clock going, I, JB mentioned it. We could talk about this forever because we just love it. But a fellow colleague of mine here at, at Enumclaw High School at the end of after the test in the spring has and has done for about, I don't know, 10 years or so. And there's a link to a video about it, but they put together lessons and they actually go down to the elementary schools and they teach lessons. They spend the day with the elementary schools like second grade, third grade, fourth grade, fifth grade, and they put together a lesson that's age appropriate. So they know what age group, age group they're doing. So you're talking about your audience. they go down and they spend time with it. But he even told me the other day, yesterday, when I was talking to him about this, he said, you know, one of the most powerful things is these juniors go back down there and they all of a sudden remember what the love of learning was. They actually spend recess with the elementary school kids, right? So you talk about social and emotional learning part that comes with it. It's not just about content, it's about relationships. It's about collaboration. And so that part is, is you know, just ex- extremely powerful, but you can also collaborate within your building. Um, a couple of years ago, worked with a couple of colleagues that I very much respect here. We did an impress me project where we were just trying to put students and give students an opportunity across discipline. It was an English teacher, it was a science teacher and it was me. And going back to what JB said, there's things that fail, right? This was one of them. This one was a big bomb the first time we did it, but we learned a ton from it. But it was just fun, also, and engaging for me as a teacher, which I think then translates to students because I get a chance to work with colleagues that are um, that I'm excited to work with and learn a tremendous amount from them, just like working with JB doing this. Mm-hmm um we also collaborate within the building on a go baby go project we didn't get a chance to do this this was supposed to be last spring bob kilmer and myself were supposed to go together on this but to be able to provide opportunities for young young kids toddlers that are immobile and be able to modify cars like the little toy cars that you drive around and be able to do that and so we're kind of trying to continue working that this year but that's just a way that you could collaborate within your building Podcast. i know jb's got an idea of an eighth grade podcast he wants to do but as part of that impress me project i had a student or i had four students i think it was that decided what they wanted to do was have a voice for the arts at enumclaw in the enumclaw school district and they created a buzzcast podcast and they went to a, one of our other teachers who had podcast equipment wasn't even one of their teachers but he had the podcast equipment so during our impress me project. Project time that we were working on it, they would go spend time with him. And I would walk by the room like in other days, other times of the day that they weren't in my class, and they were in there recording a podcast. And they would bring in teachers as a special guests, and then they would highlight the band program, they'd highlight the marching band program, they'd highlight and they wanted to promote the arts of uh, the time that they were here. And these were some students that sometimes had trouble engaging in a normal classroom setting. Then all of a sudden were engaged doing that because as Jeff said, it was authentic and it was real and it was what they cared about is what they wanted to do. Um, and so then finally, you know, just community service projects around the community. Uh, we Nourish cooking class is something that I did for a couple of years with my freshman students. Uh, we got a chance to learn about hunger and starvation and food insecurity in our community. So they're learning about the community. They had to reach out to like Prato Outreach Ministries. And we also, we offered a cooking class for people that were potentially a part of our full bellies program at the local churches. And they, we brought them into the middle school and we brought in chefs. We actually even had our our, our uh, superintendent, Mike Nelson, if he's still with us on this, who was our guest chef for our Thanksgiving version of a We Nourish cooking class. And so he was the guest chef that was there. So you talk about a community that was a part of this. And it was just uh, awesome. And it was fantastic. And it was great for the community and great for our kids as well. And then the same uh, fellow colleague of mine, Todd Witzel here at the high school that does the AP presentations with the elementary school. He also did a Voices of Enumclaw last year where he had his students partner with our like our local nursing homes. and. And uh, those people that have been around our community and are elderly in age and had them come in and do individual interviews with them and talk with them and learn about you know what it was Enumclaw, what is what's the history of Enumclaw, what's the history of our town. So just some great examples and some great opportunities. So again, we could talk about this forever in quite some time. But it's just cool the amount of things that can come up. So on the on the slide here, you can see Mr. Nelson cooking and doing the class there on the left. But the 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 We Nourish logo at the top, that was created by a freshman student. Right. That was created by a freshman student who then went to and took that and we I sent her to our um, To our graphics arts design person at the district and they t- and taught her how to digitize it and how to how to put that together. So there's just those types of authentic learning experiences that can come out of as going back to what JB said just saying yes, right, saying yes to giving something a try, even though you don't necessarily know how it's going to end up or how it's going to going to finish. So we're a little bit behind. We're a lot behind Jeff. I apologize, but we can talk man and we're passionate about it. So I don't know any questions coming up or any things that you have.
0: Uh, Not any questions coming up pretty quiet in the chat. I think people are just, I think, you know, you got a lot of links there on the uh, things for people to go through, but you know, I I just, you know, this idea of engagement keeps coming up and JB I'll start with you on that is just, what are you seeing? Like in this distance learning type of thing, I think everybody's struggling with engagement. I mean, across the board, Um, But what are some things that seem to be working for you for for middle school kids or things that you're hearing about from from other teachers as well of just getting kids to engage in, in, in meaningful work right now.
3: And I've been considering uh, starting to use Among Us to get more kids to come to my. Yes, school.
0: I said the same thing yesterday. I was like, every kid's playing Among Us. Where does that fit, right?
3: Yeah, I mean, I mean that that that's something that I, for the first time, have been saying like, how can I leverage this, right? To because, and I only heard about it because of my own children, and they're like, Dad, can we, can we, can we? And I'm like, <laughs> oh, well, let's let's give it a go. So, so I, you know, I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I mean, it's been a struggle. Students are doing their work. So students are engaging the the work that I have been putting forth and the the videos, like some of them watch them, some of them don't, but yeah, it's a challenge. And so I really, I mean, I'm having right now to honestly think about how can I, you know, leverage things like among us and use that as a tool to get more kids in, because I feel like once they do show up, they're going to be hooked. And, And the other piece is, you know, you, you go back in hindsight and I, I don't know the answer because different districts have taken different approaches. Like you are required to show up. You are not required to show up. Right. I don't know
0: what the right answer is, but right. problems, yeah.
3: you know, that, that's just I mean, that's yeah. kind of my perspective and what I've seen.
0: Yeah. But I, I I agree with you. And I think we have to find ways, you know, this among us, like I just heard about it this week. Like it's the it was the big thing. And I was working with a group of teachers. They're like, yeah, the kids are telling us they're playing among us while they're on the Zoom meeting in class. Yeah. And my question is then, why aren't you using it? Like if, and we have to understand in home learning, like we are in right now, the situation where most districts are in, where kids are learning from home, every single thing you are doing, you are, you are working with a, a student whose frontal lobe isn't fully developed. We know this. You are working with a student who up until school was canceled on March 16th in the state of Washington was forced by law to go to school Mm -hmm. And all of a sudden, all of that's been taken away. You have freedom. And every single lesson that we do, every single thing we're asking kids to do is in competition with Fortnite, Among Us, Minecraft. Like you you pick it. And you're you're, you're asking a middle school, high school, elementary brain to choose between go to class and do math or go play Among Us. And who's going to win that? And so we've got to find ways when we talk about this word engagement, we've got, to, we've got to reach out to our kids and say, what are you engaging in now? And how do I make that part of the learning? What are you engaging in now? And how does that become what school is about? Because they're not going to make the right decision. They're kids and we can't physically hold them in our classes like we were. You know, and I think that's one thing that we're seeing is like we were getting engagement before because teachers could stand at the doorway and say, you can't leave until you engage, until you do the work, until you do whatever. Right. And we can't do that anymore. We can't stand at the door and say you have to do your work or you don't get to go visit your friends at lunch or whatever it happens to be. Right. We had something we held over and we just don't have that anymore.
2: And, uh, and I'm I, it. pushing like- us. I know, and I, I love that too, Jeff, and I, and I think the challenge is, and this is what I've been wrestling with the last couple of weeks, and I know JB and I have had this conversation, and I just put out a survey to my students, you know, the Clause School District, we're not requiring Zooms, right, so we're not one of the districts that's requiring it, uh, but as JB said, kids are engaging, like the kids are, they're engaging in the learning, and so I have significant number of students that are either, whether they're watching my videos or not, they are completing the learning opportunities, and in fact, I feel like in many ways, some of them, I have better relationships than I do when they're in class because i'm having more one-on-one conversations with them especially focusing on feedback but they aren't necessarily joining the zooms yeah. so the question becomes why are they not necessarily joining the office hour zooms and you know what is that is that is that exactly what you're saying jeff or is it you know, I put out the question. You know, many of them said I'm not joining because I don't have any questions, and so I, I take yes. that as a compliment to my asynchronous video. I take yeah, that as a compliment right. yeah. to my to my module and what I put together. Yeah. That maybe they're not. The module is so any
0: good; they don't need yeah. they don't need me live.
2: Right, yeah. but I also miss them, and I want to talk yeah, with them. Of course, right? I don't want to yeah. talk with them. I want to see them, and so I'm trying to trying to figure that out. I do think, though, especially at the high school level. You know, again, elementary, middle, and they all have different things that are happening. Right. At the high school level, especially. Mm-hmm. They've been going back to what you said, so conditioned and I, I use the terminology of playing school, but they've been yeah. so conditioned to how things have been that it's hard for them to wrap their mind around that. It's different now that yeah. you can join with your teacher and we can talk about things and we can just discuss and talk about content or see what's going on with you. Like, that's not why they did before they showed up because like you said, they had to be compliant and they had to not leave. And now all of a sudden they don't have to show up and not leave. They don't have to be there. So it's a retraining for them. And that doesn't happen just because we switched the model. Yeah. You know, it hap- it's gonna take time to kind of instruct that and teach that. Yeah. Uh, but I think you're exactly right. We have to engage in the things that are interesting. In fact, I'm writing well, stuff down now about my lessons for next week, going, all right, I gotta <laughs> well, learn about and, this among us. I gotta think and, about Minecraft, yeah. I gotta think about, you know, but how do I do that? I think
0: for us as teachers, it's stretching us to true, I mean, truly engage kids. Like really get to know your kids like we have not had to do and truly think about engagement. And that's what I love, like it is pushing us. And are we doing it right? No, we're not doing it right. There's no perfect, right? This is a pandemic, there's no perfect. But it is pushing us to think differently and truly have to reach deep within ourselves to say, what is, was I actually engaging kids before? I mean, that's a really hard question when you're doing the same stuff you were doing, but they're not doing the work. So was it true engagement? Or was it kids doing because they were playing school and you were holding them hostage?
2: Well, and I will, I will, I will say this. Sorry, JB. I mean, it got you off there. But I will say this about for me, is video asynchronous video from my students to me has been like the saving grace to this. Like if that wasn't there, I'm not sure I would feel like they were engaged as they were because you just can only get so much through the written text. So I mean, I shared one, you know, with you, Jeff, you saw the the creativity of students and the the videos that they make and you give them free reign to kind of do it in that way. So we're just working on something right now. We're working on our language unit in our AP human geography piece. And we talk about language trees and that's kind of what they talk about. So I went, you know, let's get them outside. Let's get them outside. You have to go outside. I want you to find a tree. I want you to climb the tree. I want you to show me and tell me what the leaves mean and whatever. And I'm getting these great videos back, right? And I get a chance to do that. And also making students reflect right that's the, that is such a significantly huge thing that i think we miss the boat on in education a lot of times as we kind of finish the assignment we move on okay make them reflect make them go back and look at the feedback they got from you as an educator and then tell you what they learned from that okay or tell you what they're going to do moving forward and that's been a powerful thing for me so far for these weeks.
0: well you even go back to that video we watched of jb's kids the most powerful part of that video mm-hmm. is listening to those kids reflect about what just happened in that experience, how I was feeling in that ex- in that moment, and what am I going to take with me? I mean, that that's what that video was was kids reflecting on an experience, right? JB, you're going to yeah. say something.
3: Oh, it was no, it was just the fact. I think that the the current state of education and the world really is like we're in a place right now as educators where we're completely being unmasked, and I don't mean this in a negative way. Yeah, I agree. Exposed. Yeah, and so the question is is how are we going to adapt? right how are we going to adapt and adjust to this because we know what's right we we yep. know or we don't but we know that we want to reach these kids and we yep. know we have a job to do and, and how are we gonna do it yeah
0: and what i love is you know is is i had just today man i today's been a fantastic day i had two conversations today with two different districts who the leadership like principal mostly principal level leadership saying okay I'm looking to next year and I don't want to go back. How are we structuring things differently? How are we not like middle school teacher today saying, I don't want, we're not doing a bell schedule. And he's like, I'm freaking my teachers out right now because we're not gonna have a bell schedule. All of our teachers know how to make instructional videos. We're getting really good results with instructional videos. So how do we leverage that next year in our middle school? And what does that free us up to think different? And I'm just like, man, that's where we're at. You know, we just, we took all of the tech skills of teachers and where, where, whatever your base level was, is like 150 points higher than where you were, you know, like we just like exponentially changed and are we taking advantage of that? And you know, it is messy. And I think one of the things that is happening right now is we are experimenting in public Because even, you know, JB, you're in a Zoom meeting and you're experimenting with something at the same time with, for the first time. And there's parents listening to you on the other end, judging you. And that didn't happen in our classrooms. You know, in your classroom, you got to experiment and try something. And if it failed, only you and the kids knew that it failed. Parents had no idea it was a failed lesson that day. Where now, if you try something and it doesn't go right, you got 30 parents at home saying like, oh my gosh, that was horrible. You know, and and, and that's an added pressure, 100% different pressure on educators when you're innovating in public. I think more and, pe- more, more parents need to
3: take my class anyway, so. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that's just something
0: that we're not used to, you know, as teachers, it's innovating in public. You know, Elon Musk will go blow up a rocket trying to get people to the moon and everybody's like, oh, that was a billion dollars. Shucks, it didn't work. And he innovates in public all the time. And is probably pretty used to the feedback. Teachers are not used to innovating in public. And that's what we're doing right now, and so that's that's it's a scary moment. I 100% see that, you know. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: Well, I'm looking at the clock, and it's five o'clock. Yeah. And we awesome, did have guys. we did have on our on our deal to do a little Padlet interactive activity. So I don't know, Jeff, if you want to pull that and put it in there in case people want to do it later. But I'll go to the last yeah. slide here. And just say, you know, hopefully, hopefully, what we've done, yeah. You know, we kind of wanted to leave just with some questions. JB and I both like questions because I think it makes people think rather than just a statement where you can be done and move on, right? But I mean, hopefully, you know, have we sparked an idea for you, right? Have we ident- Have you been able to identify any strategies of maybe, hopefully, as we've been talking, you've been thinking, hey, this is somewhere that I can go to as a connection, um, you know, and have you identified any overlap of your content and community and and how that can that can fit together? So before I let uh, JB kind bring us to a little bit of a close here. I think Jeff just put in there. Did you just do that, Jeff? Yep. Put in there the Padlet. Um, and really what I put together as far as the Padlet here was hoping to be able to do in case we didn't talk as long, JB and I both said, man, we could talk about this forever, but um, (laughs) hopefully hopefully it's still been good. But again, looking at connections, celebrations, considerations, and creation. So, you know, if you want to, you have access to this, you can click on the plus and create something there. As as far as a a comment that you have, you know, who could you contact or maybe who have you contacted? Maybe some of you out there have done some type of a connection with your community, you know, that would be an idea that you could share. You know, why do you feel that this is a powerful approach to learning for your students? Giving you a chance to reflect a little bit, why is this a powerful Approach for your students. You know, what can, what questions or concerns do you have regarding this approach to learning? And again, I'll put as JB finishes up, I'll put my email in the chat as well, and then maybe JB can do the same. I'm I'm absolutely comfortable. Email me anytime okay, to be able to throw something by me or and ask ask something of me, and I'll let JB explain the last one because that big on your brain is kind of a a jb blair or a dr blair (laughs) saying so i'll let him kind of talk about that one real quick and i'll let you finish it up yeah
3: yeah what's what's big on your brain regarding how you can bring community into your classroom and um you know for me the the question that kind of gets to that is like what are those sets of experiences right what are those sets of experiences that you want students to have um so what's big on your brain regarding how you can bring community to classroom. And like uh, like Steve said, I, I'm an open book. If people wanna reach out, if people wanna connect, if people wanna administrator, element, I was an elementary school literacy coach for a couple of years. I was a middle school and high school literacy coach. So uh, if people wanna connect, I, I am more than willing to connect and kind of have those conversations and, and just be a part of this. So yeah, um, yeah that's what I got oh. there, say yes.
0: Thank you, thank you. Gentlemen, appreciate it. And I keep going back to, you know, that last one, what is big on your brain? And one of it was a conversation I had today with a superintendent um, of a small rural school district who, he was just going and he just started saying, he's like, you know, what this has changed is what, talk about big on the brain, is the idea of an open campus forever. Like, what does this do when we know that we've got technology like Zoom and instructional videos? And he goes, the pressure on high schools to think differently about what is open campus, you know, you can, and we're talking like a small rural school district, you know, what if, you know, a a student wants to go do an internship down at the local machine shop, it's going to be our job as education to figure out, okay, what is the credit that you get for doing that? Because you're going to, you're going to be able to go down and do that. And still, go to your other class periods because we have online school. We have instructional videos. Like kids can go and do internships during the school day and still do their other classes. Yeah. And mm. I'm just thinking, Oh my gosh. Like you just start talk, thinking about, you know, big on the brain. What's that do for a high school kid in the opportunities.
3: I've had sophomores reach out to me and say, Hey, is your dad hiring? Right? Like, yeah, I can do my schoolwork when I do my schoolwork, but I, you know, I'd, I'd love to work.
0: Yeah. Isn't that great? And you start thinking about all these different ways where you're, you could have kids have a full-time job or a part-time job. And how do we make that be part of the credit? And especially here in the state of Washington, you know, where our state has come up with these right now, seven different pathways to graduation. One of those pathways is internships. Mm-hmm. So schools are going to have to figure out, okay, how do we give graduation credit For doing an internship at a veterinary school, at working for a company, being on an, like whatever it is, because that is true. That is real learning happening there. And we've got to find a way to bring that into the fold. You know, this idea that learning only happens, the thing that we blew up is learning only happens between 7.30 and three o'clock. And there's a bell that tells you when you learn. And that's, that's what we blew up. And we're going to all have to rethink this idea of school and, and teaching, right? Ah, such a great time to be in education. It really is, man. I mean, it's just going to be so cool. But all right. Thank you, gentlemen. Don't want to keep you later than we promised. Already four minutes over. Knowing JB, he probably still has a run to get in tonight, like 15 miles or something. He's going to go for a run. I would like to. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Awesome. Thank Uh, you, guys. Appreciate it.
2: Thanks. Thanks. Thanks.